Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome to Health Matters. I am your host and radio health evangelist, Dr. Tony Weaver. We are restarting the show after a prolonged absence. There is a lot of rust, and I'm certain that it will show up as we go. But we are going to talk to you about health and, of course, a lot about the uh, novel coronavirus that has us all engaged. Thanks to our listeners at True Talk Internet Radio, if they're still listening, and a special radio wave to those hardworking MSU Ronald G. Eaglin Space Science Center employees now working from home. My co-medical hosts are here in the studio with me. Uh, We are trying to observe social distancing guidelines. Rick, for some reason, has told me that if I put my head between my knees, I will not catch the uh, uh, coronavirus. I haven't heard that before, but he assures me that's what they're doing at UK. Let's be honest. You just want me far enough away where I can't smack you. (laughs) Achieved, achieved. Here in the studio with us from the University of Kentucky, assistant professor with their physician assistant program, Shelly Irving. Hi, Shelly. Hello. And also in his inimitable way to explain to you how to access health matters on the World Wide Web, the executive director of networking at the University of Kentucky and also in charge of infrastructure, the man who holds your phone, Rick Phillips. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tony. You know you can get the audio of the show at wmky.org. You know what? It's been a while. I had to think about that. <laughs> so this whole practice thing is pretty amazing. Uh, so anyway, you can get the audio of the shows at wmky.org. That is Moorhead State Public Radio's website. There is a uh, page there devoted to health matters. Absolutely go visit that. Look up the show. Read the summary. But most importantly, there's a link there where you can listen to the audio. You can listen to the archive, and you can sign up for a podcast and have that archive delivered to you, what I like to say, automagically, uh, about four days after the show airs on the, the FM dial. So certainly um, uh, tune in, listen to the audio. After that, you've decided you need to interact. And believe me, in these COVID-filled times, we need to interact digitally as much as possible. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We got a fan page, facebook.com slash HM radio show. There we'll listen, look, read, watch, comment, laugh. Who knows what you might find out there, but I'm telling you, there's probably a lot of questions right now. And Tony's already said he'll be a free doctor for you. Bring him, bring out, bring all your feedback to Tony. He'll, he'll absolutely deal with it. And again, you may not like the answer you get, but <laughs> you're more than welcome to ask. You can find that again to interact with the show, facebook.com slash show. Our sponsor is Cancer Screening. You screen, I screen, we all screen for cancer. Now, the reason I put Cancer Screening as our sponsor is this report that came out May 8th. Uh, in uh, It came out of the Epic Medical Record System. They were watching to see how Americans were doing on their cancer screening. And there's no surprise. If they're stay-at-home orders, if your clinic is not seeing routine patients, then you're not getting your cancer screening. They used data from 2.7 million American patients' records and showed they had at least one screening for cancer between 2017 and 2019. Uh, and then they looked at what they had been doing recently, and it turns out that screenings for breast, cervix, and colon cancer are down between 86 and 94 percent. 
what this means and what the American Cancer Society is worried about is we're going to have a wave, a wave of around 60,000 cancers that we could have picked up on screenings if we don't get back on this. So I thought it would be important to remind you, now that the clinics are now open, now that the doctors are accepting patients again, um, and uh, other healthcare providers are uh, uh, back in business. Uh, think about your cancer screenings and try to use the uh, time we have to get caught up. Just a reminder from the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, here are their cancer screening recommendations. For lung cancer, adults ages 55 to 80 who have smoked more than 30 years, a annual screening between ages 55 and 80 with a CT scan is recommended if you have smoked cigarettes for more than 30 years. Breast cancer screening, women age 50 to 74, recommending screening every other year. Other organizations recommend it yearly, but the key thing is for women average risk, age 50 to 74, they're recommending some type of screening at least every other year, uh, usually with mammograms. Cervical cancer, screening uh, age women, women age 21 to 29, they're recommending every three years with pap smears. And then once you reach age 30, either every three years with pap smears continues, or you can move to every five years if you do the HPV testing combined with the pap smear. And then finally, colorectal cancer screening, screening recommended uh, starting age, seven, age 50 years, going to age 75 years. Um, using some form of screening, and the frequency depends on the form of screening you choose. Talk with your health care provider about this. The point is, uh, it is time now, as we come out of the most intensive uh, healthy at home recommendations uh, of our governor and our administration, uh, as we start to get back into society, we certainly we want to, to get out. We want to, uh, uh, to do some of the things we have missed. But uh, remember to protect your health and catch up on some of the health things that you may have uh, missed. And let's remember, for breast cancer, we can do self-checks at home. Yes. You can do that monthly. That's um, funny, though. You know, I couldn't do my colonoscopy at home. Well, and so, well, you know, my the thing is, is I've got this burning question to ask is, was it really a good idea to deem stuff like that non-essential and actually stop doing that for two months? You know, you can, I think you can go back and you can second guess and argue. I think the main thing is, you know, when we looked at this COVID virus and what it was doing in Italy and in France and in the United Kingdom, uh, I, I can't say that any, I don't think we overreacted. I, I think it was that bad. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Carl Dvorak, the uh, president of Epic uh, uh, Medical Records, he says, truthfully, it doesn't take much to talk a person out of going in for a colonoscopy. <laughs> it really only did take a phone call, I have to admit. <laughs> so, so you know, you got that. I'll tell you but another let, thing. But let the record reflect. I wasn't given a choice. Yeah. Uh, so even is, though I would have been an easy turn. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Uh, but uh, I, I, I want to stress over and over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some numbers, some facts. Uh, these are accurate as of Tuesday, May 12th, uh, and uh, hopefully they'll hold up until this show airs uh, later on this week. Uh, but uh, I, I don't want to, anyone to take anything I say uh, as uh, saying that this, is, uh, uh, this was silly, that this virus was nothing, uh, anything like that. We have we're, we have basically we've had our opening round with uh, the uh, uh, novel coronavirus uh, with COVID-19. Uh, we have done better than I think anyone uh, thought we could or hoped we could, uh, particularly here in Kentucky. Uh, but we are not finished, uh, and uh, it is certainly not time to declare victory. I think some of the things we've learned that have worked well, we must not forget because history tells us that is a bad idea.
you know, and, and on those lines, Rick, uh, I mean, this is maybe a trivial or what, but I got to tell you, my yard has never looked better than it did this spring. See, I, I've got to confess here, and, and it, it may sound bad because it, 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 you know, it is a little bit uh, self-indulgent, uh, but I could not enjoy this spring. I'm stuck at home. I'm having to, you know, uh, be healthy at home. But the essential nature of my work, I'm still at UK two or three times a week. Uh, you know, we built a little field hospital and we built a bunch of call centers. And there's a whole bunch of things we can talk about that were done at the university to try to help with this. But the one thing that I had looming over me the whole time was it was my final semester of my master's degree. And so I literally spent my entire March and April writing papers and dealing with homework. And so, you know, in between, in between when I'm sitting on the Zoom calls, right? So I spent, you know, I probably would have anywhere from five to eight Zoom calls a day um, and then get done with Zoom and then you got to turn into homework. So my yard does not look as good as yours. And it's time to stop and just congratulate you, Rick. I mean, you, you, have, you have finished? I am finished. And you have Forever. a master's degree. Yay. There, there will be only one. There will only be one Doctor Phillips in our home, and it'll be my wonderful, <laughs> lovely wife. Okay, but congratulations on that. That's really something. Back to the yards, though. Everyone I've talked to says pretty much the same thing. You know, uh, the, the the new deck, the patio, the the uh, the grass is uh, looks great. We set out some additional plants. I mean, people really took this time to work hard on it. And it's a shame because no one will ever see that. I've got a research paper that's on uh, cybersecurity that's a good read. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm, I'm with Rick because I was tasked with trying to, to convert some clinical stuff to online to get students graduating on time. And so I've, I've just come off of a month of 15-hour days every day trying to, oh, oh. you know. So, yeah, my yard, no flowers, nothing. Yeah. I mean, my, the grass doesn't really want to grow. Um, but no, yeah, it's bad. I mean, the things that happened from, I think it started, I think I remember pulling my staff in on March 13th saying, hey, it looks like we're going to have to do this healthy at home thing or it's going to time to start thinking about moving and, and a work from home scenario. Uh, so that started on March the 16th. And so we're in our ninth week now, if you think about it. Um, but then it wasn't just as simple as taking your job and moving it to an online your business itself had to become a digital business, right? And that, that's what I think a lot of people struggled with is how do you run a business as a digital business and, and interact with people through the web or through, through an app? How do we – I mean, the restaurants have had to figure this out. The, you know, the colleges, the institutions of learning. I mean, Moorhead State University, I'm sure, while they had a great online presence to start with, which gave them a leg up, uh, University of Kentucky had to convert an awful lot of things to online. Um, it, it was a, for, for the people in IT, this was another worse version of Y2K. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which actually this one happened. Um, so. <laughs> well, but the, the, the <laughs> work in Y2K was, Y2K. What was the work leading up to it. This right. one just kind of got dropped on your head. Yeah. And, and along those lines and what Shelly's talking about, when you look at, uh, medical students, uh, part of their education has to be in the clinic. And we are only beginning to figure out how we are going to manage educating medical students. It may be that you as a patient, always before I've said, look, you know, it's important to educate your next doctor. Uh, this is the person who will be taking care of you. Properly done, then, 
uh, the act of medical education is part of taking care of your health. I think, though, that this virus puts a whole new slant on that because uh, having an extra person in the exam room means an extra source of possible infection. Uh, and so I think it's going to be much more difficult to educate uh, students in all the healthcare professions. Uh, my wife points out that uh, you go to non-healthcare stuff, all the standardized testing is gone. Uh, a lot of the uh, assignments, uh, uh, even the, the best online courses, uh, still there are some things that, uh, especially with younger children, that are very hard. You know, one of the fields that's near and dear to my heart, as it was part of my life for a long time, that really got a shot in the arm, so to speak, literally got a... Uh, Got a, got a boost was telehealth. Mm-hmm. Telehealth and telemedicine have exploded now as where they are mandatory. You you can't not have a telemedicine or telehealth program. Yeah, we'll be talking right. about that more in the next fractional portion. Let me uh, get to some numbers because I wanted to get these out and, and give you something to think about uh, during the break. Uh, this is the uh, COVID-19 daily dashboard from Doctor's Guide. Uh, as of May 12th, uh, 1347 Greenwich Mean Time, there were 4,286,755 infections worldwide, 288,209 deaths worldwide, and a million and a half approximately recovered. Uh, the countries with the highest case counts. Now, this is where it gets interesting. I, I want our, our listeners to hear this. U.S. far and away has the highest case count. Of the 4.2 million, almost 4.3 million cases, 1.387 million are here in the United States. Uh, nationwide, 81,900 deaths. That's about 5.9% of the cases. Worldwide, uh, we're looking at 6.7% of the known cases have died. Now, admittedly, there were people who had uh, minor or no symptoms and did not get tested, but these are the ones that we have confirmed. Uh, the U.S., uh, again, their death rate is around 5.9%. Spain, quarter of a million cases, uh, 26, uh, 26.9 thousand deaths. That's a 10% mortality rate. Russia, let's not even talk about Russia. The, the, the numbers just aren't realistic. United Kingdom, 223,000 cases, 32,000 deaths. That's a 14.4% mortality rate. Again, U.S., 5.9%. Uh, and then finally, uh, France, 177,000 uh, cases, 26,000 deaths, 15% uh, mortality rate. So think about those, and we'll be back with our second fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Morehead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the second fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver, and I'm not even sure I even announced the name of the show. This is the We Are Better Than That show, one of the many <laughs> Maybe quotes not. from our famous uh, governor. Uh, who is a Health Matters hottie. He is a hero of today's youth uh, for his uh, tireless work uh, trying to encourage people in the state and to get us through this uh, epidemic. Our sponsor for the second time, Cancer Screening, You Screen, I Screen, We All Screen for Cancer. Just a reminder, cancer screening is one of the things we put on hold 
while we were safe at home for this virus. Uh, as we get out, as we pick up our, the other parts of our life, remember, do not forget your cancer screening. One more time from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, lung cancer screening, adults ages 55 to 80 who have a history of smoking more than 30 years. Breast cancer screening, women ages 50 to 74, recommended at least every other year, according to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, and this is for average-risk women, uh, not those who have the BRCA gene or people who have, uh, have a first-degree relative with uh, breast cancer. Cervical cancer screening, age 21 to 29, pap smears every three years, age 30 to 65, either continue the pap smears every three or use human papillomavirus testing every five years. Talk with your health care provider. And then finally, colon cancer screening, recommended for adults by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, age 50 to 75 years. We uh, have mentioned repeatedly in uh, Health Matters about uh, colonoscopy, but there are other tests, including a uh, stool test, uh, flexible sigmoidoscopy, and some x-ray procedures if you are not able to undergo colonoscopy or if you prefer to do it a different way. That is our sponsor, Cancer Screening. You screen, I screen, we all screen for cancer. Now, we were talking about numbers last time, and I, again, I'm just going to run the mortality rates. This is, the mortality rates are the number of people we have identified as infected divided by the number of people who have died. Obviously, the more people you identify, the uh, lower your mortality rate because uh, uh, the uh, numerator gets, uh, I'm sorry, the denominator gets bigger. Um, if the more people, the fewer people you identify and the more people that die, uh, the higher your mortality rate. Mortality rate in the U.S., 5.9%. Spain, 10%. United Kingdom, 14.4%. Italy, 14.4%. France, 15%. Now, Germany tested extensively. And they also, Germans are very good at trusting their government and following advice uh, of their government. Their mortality rate is 4.4%. That is the lowest in Europe, I believe, and it is lower than the uh, U.S. Canada, 7.1% mortality rate, uh, but many fewer cases than we have. Belgium, a 16.3% mortality rate. Belgium, um, they... Uh, uh, they, they've been hit pretty heavily by this. Sweden, and many people felt that Sweden had the proper approach. Uh, they uh, practiced voluntary social distancing. They did not have the government authority to mandate it. They did not close uh, all schools. Uh, but their mortality rate, 12.1%, uh, really not what we are, are looking for. So you look, and, and my point from this is not that our healthcare system is great. Uh, we are in the midst of a natural disaster. And, and I don't think you can congratulate yourself when you're in the basically in the beginnings, the first wave of a natural disaster of this uh, magnitude. We, we've done better than I think anybody thought. Uh, Rick, I know you had a big part in uh, that uh, field hospital at the Nutter uh, Athletic uh, Facility uh, that UK opened and then closed because we just did not see the surge that we had thought we might see based on the experience on the East Coast and the West Coast. Well, I mean, you know, based on what was going on, and, and believe me, you know, I'm not part of our emergency operations center or our healthcare leadership team, so I in no way, shape, or form speak on behalf of them. But, you know, I was involved with building all the networking in there uh, for that facility. And, and you know, me as a, a citizen, uh, you know, would say, you know, that was one where I kind of got to see um, it was something we had to do. Uh, because of what was going on in New York and Detroit and, you know, coming out of Miami, you know, there were a lot of, of um, health care resources that seemed to be getting depleted mighty fast. And so it just, you know, it, it was one of those things where to prepare Kentucky for what was about to come, I think, uh, you know, we've taken, Kentucky has flattened the curve and done a great job, but I think also 
being prepared has been part of that, and that was a huge part of being prepared in the Central Kentucky area. You know, it looks like we have the ability then to keep from overwhelming the healthcare system. I think what we so far have not figured out how to do is to how to protect our vulnerable citizens, uh, the people in the nursing homes, the people uh, incarcerated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look around your community, first of all, in terms of shortages, we're going to figure out. Uh, what industries work and what don't in crowded situations. Uh, But then the other thing is uh, we've got to figure out where our problems are going to come from. And a lot of the cases, I believe, in rural Kentucky is going to be things like prisons, nursing homes, uh, places where people are uh, uh, aggregated. That's going to be a problem. We're probably not going to overwhelm our health care facilities, but there still are uh, there are going to be a lot of casualties. I mean, doesn't the rural nature of, you know, of, you know a place like Moorhead, you know, we don't have the large venues, save a Moorhead State graduation or uh, maybe a Friday night football game, you know, what does happen in the fall. You know, the, the, the rural areas aren't we're not walking down the street in droves. We're not riding the subway. We don't have public transportation per se. I mean, things in New York, you know, that was just a perfect storm for all practical purposes. I mean, you had millions of people in close proximity to each other with a long incubation time. Uh, it just seems to me like that's not a, an indicator that's going to happen in, in rural America. I hope you're right. You know, I mean, again, it's still early in this. Uh, there will be uh, we're, we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. But I think we're going to be dealing with it uh, in, a, in more limited amounts than we first were afraid. Now, we, it's interesting, though, Tony, because, you know, in I was coming off of a cyber event at UK and I was tired and we'd been working long days and hard days. And that finished up a week before we started shutting things down, where conferences started getting canceled and sports events started getting canceled and um, and moved right into this. And I'm, I'm telling you, I was one of those people that was uh, a little bit skeptical and was like, you know, what are we doing? Why are we getting so... And it took me about two weeks, three weeks to really get on board with the fact that this thing looks dangerous. And while it may not be dangerous to me, even though I'm not in the greatest of shape for a 51-year-old man... Um, I'm still not the category that this is dangerous for. And so, you know, you make, at some point you have to realize this is more than you. It's more than me. It's, uh, you know, we got to kind of work together to make this thing not hurt people. Right. I mean, we all have parents. We all have, you know, it's. Some more numbers. Uh, This is from the CDC. It was released Friday, May 8th, uh, and it was for the week ending May 2nd. Uh, COVID-19-related mortality held stable or decreased nationwide for the third consecutive week. Now, this is tricky because every graph I've seen, if you separate out New York City from the rest of the nation, you're, you're really looking at two different trends. But overall, mortality decreased nationwide, uh, much of that coming from uh, New York. Uh, four things they mentioned. Number one, the national percentage of respiratory specimens testing positive decreased uh, nationally. Uh, and uh, again, there since March first, uh, 832,000 positive specimens. I mentioned uh, by all counts, uh, the U.S. has a uh, million cases, uh, but 800,000 of them have been uh, tested in labs and found to be positive. About 10.6 percent of the deaths nationwide attributable to flu, pneumonia, or COVID-19 in the week ending May second. That's down 10.6 percent is down from 21 percent the prior week. So the mortality rates have fallen substantially. But but I wanted to dig a little deeper in that, Tony, though, because the mortality rates that you spoke of at the beginning of the segment, you know, that was a, a you, you you even described it. You said this is the the, the numerator, numerator and denominator are number of ca- people that have tested positive versus the people who've died from it. Yes. But back in March, we couldn't test very many people. 
And even in even in April, we didn't test as many people. And and only until the last two weeks in Kentucky have you seen the ability for just an average person who has concern to go get tested. Most of the time, it's only a symptomatic, um, or, or or somebody that's in you know. I mean, it took a a very specific set of scenarios in Kentucky to be able to get a test. And right. so to me, that mortality number feels wrong. I hear you. But let's, let's go back and look at it to be sure we're on the same page here. Uh, I mentioned earlier on from the dashboard, 5.9% of all infected cases have died in the United States. 5.9% more Of known to, infected cases. Of, of known infected cases. Now, this is the percent of all deaths. So you figure all the people dying nationwide, heart attacks, car crashes, whatever, 10.6% of those were uh, flu, pneumonia, or COVID-19. Could have been then COVID virus. Uh, and that's down from 21% of all deaths nationwide. Now, uh, the number of deaths nationwide may have fluctuated some. There's a whole bunch of, as you mentioned, uh, you can unpacking these numbers is very difficult. The point is, though, you would expect uh, if we did not have this thing under control. And, and keep in mind, uh, the deaths lag diagnosis by three weeks to a month. Of course. Uh, so the fact that they, they dropped indicates that at least when we were under tight, uh, healthy at home, uh, stay at home, lockdown, whatever term your state uh, used for it, uh, the death rate uh, was falling the, as a percent of the total deaths. But do you think? But do you think that the number itself, even if let's just say hypothetically, the mortality, the people dying number stays the same, as more people test and they test that maybe they they had it but didn't need to be hospitalized, or, or you know at some point we're going to figure out that more people had it and that mortality rate was actually yeah less. Well, and, and is that test confirmed cases? Because, you know, they talk about presumed cases as well. Right. Flu, pneumonia, or COVID-19. Pretty much anybody who had something respiratory that might have been viral. So uh, they're, they're, again, they're, they're casting a very broad net there. Uh, some of those clearly weren't COVID-19, but their argument is uh, in aggregate, the whole, that whole section of mortality in fact, uh, declined as a percentage of overall mortality. And nothing else really jumped. You know, we didn't see large numbers of car crashes, heart attacks, and so forth. Well, you would think, honestly, that car crashes would have went down because there were less people on the roads. You know, it's, you know, it's a, yeah. There's a whole lot of deaths you would think that would, you know, probably just, prevented, just yeah. been prevented just by staying at home. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, number three, the cumulative hospitalization rate for all groups increased to 50 hospitalizations per 100,000 population. Um, they mentioned also 40% were white, 36.8% were black, uh, which is huge overrepresentation. 12.5% Hispanic, 10.3% other races. Uh, so hospitalizations, again, uh, the overall hospitalization rate uh, increased. Emergency department visits fell or were stable. For the fifth consecutive week, outpatient visits for flu-like illness dropped, although uh, that might have been for other respiratory illnesses. Because when we started distancing, a lot of things changed. The flu basically disappeared. Uh, uh, Allergies are certainly out there, but other respiratory infections, it's pretty hard to get those if nobody's going anywhere. Uh, So you look at overall, it gives you a sense that uh, for the first round, uh, we held our own. You know, as you said, we uh, things could have been much worse first round. Now we have to tr- somehow make it through this summer, and, and uh, uh, without uh, having a, a rapid rise. Now that we are starting to get out of our well, homes, well, let's let's talk about that for a second, Tony, if you don't mind. No. Um, so we've got this um, um, mandate now that we can go back out and we can, you know, kind of ease back into the world. But I mean, 
is really staying at home or is really keeping if I mean, we can't humans, I don't think are designed to stay six foot away from everybody for every time for everything. Right. I mean, at some point, this this virus is not going to just go away. Is it going to just go away? I don't know. I, I mean, honestly don't know. Can it, it go away? It I mean, can. It could mutate in such a way that it's either less infectious or less lethal. That's possible. Uh, it being this infectious and lethal is not necessarily the best way for a virus. You know, if it kills people and if it forces them uh, out of society, then it is, in fact, limiting its own ability to reproduce. And so uh, that's possible. But uh, how can you uh, you can't really wait uh, and, and your your plan is never to hope that the virus itself mutates. Well, I just think that, you know, the idea of being healthy at home, I, I, I understand what we're doing. I mean, I, I get what we're trying to do. We're, we're, to me, healthy at home means making sure that our medical facilities can handle the volume that needs to be there for any person who comes, you know, in contact or gets this and, and, and needs that medical care. But staying at home because of the essential nature of some people, I mean, we, we have to have people who run, you know, the the... the uh, first response systems, you know, we have to have certain, there's certain essential jobs that people are just going to have to get out there and do. And with that being said, we're never going to be able to completely isolate ourselves enough to make this thing stop spreading. So, I mean, to me, you're never, the, the curve is never going, the flattened curve is never going to stop unless you get people either exposed or vi- a, a vaccination, a, a something. There has to be something, but you can't just stay at home until this right. goes away because it's never going to go away. Well, at 20% of all deaths, then this really gets your attention. You have to drop everything else and, and fight this. When it gets down to 10%, 8%, 5%, now at it's that like, point, then the other causes start to be important. And some of the other causes, loneliness, depression, uh, uh, undiagnosed illnesses because you didn't see the doctor or you your family hasn't seen you, uh, all these other things start to, to uh, come up and, and start to compete with the COVID virus. So I think, you know, I think we are right. I, I'll be honest. We don't have the testing that we, uh, that uh, the experts have said we need. But honestly, you look at the numbers and as a primary care physician going beyond simply infectious disease, but looking at overall mortality, uh, I have concerns that if we may, if we close our businesses long enough, there's no doubt about it, we're going to be increasing the mortality of other things. People die from COVID virus who are, don't even have the coronavirus. They don't even have it, but they die from it because they're not able to attend to other matters. So, you know, part of, I think, the, the, the time to, to, uh, uh, to become healthy at work, uh, as the uh, uh, governor says, uh, part of that is, is uh, simply the other competing causes of death start to uh, become relatively more important. That's where we are now. Now, we could easily get back into that 20% of all death situation. Uh, but uh, if we do this right, uh, we come out of it right, then hopefully it'll still be with us. There'll still be tragedies. There'll still be uh, uh, loss of life. But uh, uh, we, we try to manage the best we can uh, with the different uh, uh, competing causes of death. And we may never know that other number to, to have a good comparison. Yeah. I suspect we will not. I think a lot of the lessons we learned from Spanish flu, we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, you know, uh, it is, it is. This is a unique virus, and uh, the response. There will always be uh, differences of opinion, arguments about it. I, I, I don't agree with everything our governor's done, but uh, I think he has done a masterful job of keeping Kentucky out of the worst of the problems, and uh, as I said, uh, managed to, along the way to. 
uh, uh, blunt the, the, the uh, initial attack uh, enough to uh, uh, render the, uh, some of these large uh, hospitals and ventilators and things like that uh, unnecessary because we managed to, to stop it. And if you look at healthcare systems, it's not about the healthcare system. Uh, at least, uh, you know, the, the Kentucky experience has not been about healthcare systems, although I, I, I work in the healthcare system. I'm proud of, uh, of what we do with what we have. Uh, this was about people actually following directions well enough uh, to keep the overall case counts low. So lighten it up a little bit. What are you looking forward to the most getting back? I want to see my family. I want to see my kids. You know, I've got a, that a was son an on the that West Coast. That was a softball. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say ice cream or something. I mean, come on. Oh, you can get ice cream. I mean, you just got to get takeout. If you don't mind eating ice cream in the car, it's uh, you can get yeah, ice cream. Yeah, but you can't get ice cream in another state. No. That's true. Uh, <laughs> we want to go camping. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Uh, you yeah. know, you have those type of hobbies. I, I got to tell you, uh, you guys, you know, first of all, I, I have been, primary care has been hit hard by this. We may have time to talk about that some. Uh, and uh, so uh, my, uh, my, my clinic essentially evaporated. Uh, so I've had plenty of time to work out uh, on my farm. I, I've never been in, uh, recently not been in better shape than this. I've had a ball while you're doing your degree and uh, you were uh, taking care of your students. I, I'm very uh, well. I did build a 400 bed hospital too in the process. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> you did. Yeah. yeah. You should get a certificate for that, Rick. I don't, I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they hand but you know, out for that. Interestingly enough, that wasn't. I mean, the the field hospital was an, a really cool experience. And and interestingly enough. Um, when I was uh, in the army back in the '90s and the '80s, one of my do- one of my jobs was in a deployable medical system called DepMeds, and literally that's what we did was we would roll up and set up a, a deployable hospital, very much like a mass unit. I mean, so it was really kind of funny. It was kind of bringing back some old memories of having to build a build a, a field hospital. Well, as but, I said, but but the thing is, is is we also. I was so impressed with one of the things they did. We we actually built a 250 agent call center, and we actually called all 31,000 students, called them up and made personal connection with them and said, "How you doing? What can we? Is there something we can do? Is there something? Are you getting everything you need?" And, and in some cases, we handed out. I think I don't remember the exact number, so please, you know, internet audience, don't don't you know, hold me to this, but I think somewhere in the vicinity of 1,200 MiFi devices went out to, to students to, that needed, that lived in an area where they had poor internet or needed help. Um, so I was really proud of what we did. You know, and there, there is this, the, the innovation that comes about from this. You, you mentioned with telehealth, there are things we are just, we're, we're not going to go back to. And I think uh, this has been a, a big boost for. Well, well, we'll talk about it again next show. But there, there are, uh, it's been a big boost for for mail order. It's been a big boost for online shopping. It's been a a uh, and I think we are going to do a lot more things online. I found a couple of restaurants that actually work better as takeout. <laughs> I, I would agree. The idea of waiting for your order now it's just it's absurd. Mm. It's supposed to. I drive up. It's supposed to be ready. Uh, they should bring it out to the car. They do. And You're going I, to the I wrong was, one. I was looking at an empty table, and I, I just thought, you know, why would I ever sit at that table waiting for someone to do my order? You don't have to wait for our, long for our third and final fractional portion. You're listening to Health Matters on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. The Northeast AHEC connects students to careers, professionals to communities, and communities to better health. The Northeast AHEC strives to improve the supply and distribution of healthcare professionals through community and academic educational partnerships. 
More information is available online at neahec.org. Hello and welcome back. This is the third and final fractional portion of Health Matters. I'm Rick Phillips. I'm Shelley Irving. I'm Dr. Tony Weaver. This is the We Are Better Than That show. Uh, we are better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop right no, there. No, we're, actually, we're not. But Sometimes <laughs> still, we are. Yeah, but according to our governor, we are better than well, that. We just have to describe what that is to know, but, you know. No, no, we don't describe it, and then we can just say we're better than that. That's exactly right. The bar is set low. (laughs) Our sponsor for the final time, cancer screening, you screen, I screen, we all screen for cancer. Now, as you get back to your routine, as the world reopens slowly, you're going to be maintaining your social distancing. You're going to still wash your hands pretty much every time you turn around. You're wearing a mask in public, and then you also... It may be time to check in with your healthcare provider about cancer screening. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force has recommended the following screens for cancer. If you are a smoker, age 55 to 80 with a 30-year history of smoking, lung cancer screening with a CT scan once a year. If you are a woman of average risk, breast cancer screening, ages 50 to 74 years, at least every other year, some groups recommend yearly. Cervical cancer screening for women ages 21 to 65. 21 to 30, you go every three years with pap smears. 30 to 65, either continue the pap smears every three or add human papillomavirus testing and go every five years. And then finally, colorectal cancer screening, age 50 to 75, uh, they are recommending that you uh, get uh, screening. Depending on how you screen, uh, the frequency will be determined. Now, I did not mention prostate cancer screening for men. That is supposed to be an individual decision discussed with your doctor based on your risk and your approach to health care. Uh, and uh, uh, so I, there is not a set recommendation from the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force for that, but you should discuss it with your health care provider. Um, and uh, uh, all these things require that you actually talk to your health care provider. Now, the discussions, as Rick mentioned, they can go on now via video conferencing, via telehealth, uh, but at some point uh, it, it will behoove you uh, to get back into your regular healthcare routine, as well as your regular dining routine, your regular ice cream routine, uh, all of the other things that you're trying to get back more to normal. Yeah, and I think that, that to me, that sounds like it's, um, if you're in a vulnerable population, right, if you're, you know, you're, then, then I think you probably need to pay a little closer, you know, make sure you're doing something different to protect yourself. But I think there's going to be a whole lot of us that are just going to be happy to run out and, you know, I, I would wonder, so there's a thing with Wi-Fi, right? called dwell the dwell time right how long do people stand in place i can't imagine that the dwell times at walmart are going to go through the roof i think people are just going to walk around and look at stuff just because they haven't been able to go in there and kind (laughs) of hang out yeah (laughs) and and it could be kroger could be lowe's could be whatever your store is that you haven't been able to go to but there's the dwell times is going to go way up well one member per family i got to tell you you know sometimes we we uh, uh my wife and i uh, we go to a place like Lowe's. We both have. Let's be things. honest, Tony. That got you out of going to Kroger, and you're a happy man. <laughs> I, I have learned how to enjoy the parking lot while my so wife is so doing see. She goes to Kroger. You go to. I can go to Lowe's, but now she's going to come over to Lowe's, and then I, you know, we try well, to she make can it win one Lowe's with you though. Uh, well, you know, you're not supposed to be shopping together, so it's not like we can go look things over. She'll so, tell me what to look for, and then uh, I'll go in and look at it. But so we, you're one of these guys that you go in one door, she goes in the other, and you all meet in the middle. No, we we actually we separate. I, I mean, I think um, we have done an excellent job here in Moorhead 
of not overwhelming these places. I mean, it gets pretty hairy at some of the Dollar General stores, at Walmart certain times of the day. But by and large, we have done fairly well at maintaining distance. And, and my wife and I, you know, it's the numbers. I think it's the density that got to New York. Not necessarily they didn't wash their hands. I believe they were terrified. They washed their hands. So, so. But, but that density makes a difference. And so I, we absolutely studiously, assiduously avoid crowds. So if there's a crowd, we just, we leave. I just got to, I, I can't imagine that one year ago, think back one year ago in Moorhead, and for anybody who lives around here in Moorhead, you'll know what I'm talking about. All anybody could talk about with Walmart was how they set up these stupid self-checkouts. Do we not love those things now? Now nobody has to touch our stuff. <laughs> nobody has, we don't have to get and breathe in front of anybody. We can just go check out. It's I, th- I honestly think this was, I mean, some of this is helping us going to get through our fear of self-checkout. Well, we find things, don't we? I mean, there were things that were there all along, but nah, who cared? And now all of a sudden we find those things and we say, this this is the solution. Uh, and I think you're right. Self-checkout's one of those. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a mindset, right? So we've gone from, I don't want somebody to lose their job, so I'm not going to use that self-checkout, <laughs> to now, I don't want to kill somebody by giving them... A virus they might not do well with, so I'm going to use the self-checkout. You know, Rick, two years ago we had this argument. If you could have a perfect hamburger made by a robot (laughs) or you could have a hamburger made by a human being who gets paid, what would you do? And Rick came back. He said, well, who made the robot? That was the big thing to him. Because if it was an American robot, then he was he was buying American even if he bought a robot hamburger. And, and I think now your point, uh, there's something else to think about. Okay, maybe you uh, the checkout person is going to lose their job because of you, but by the same token, their grandmother is going to stay alive. Right, right. <laughs> so, so uh, where's the right? Who's 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 the real hero here? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it is, but you know, this is interesting times. I mean, I say that all the time. So. Uh, at some point, we can you know talk a little bit about. I mean, Tony, has your has your work changed at all besides the volume? Wow, you know, there you go, uh, and uh, th- that was the perfect segue into segment three because I really wanted to talk about healthcare systems uh, and this uh, what is it? This uncertain time. If I hear uncertain time one more time. I've said unprecedented. Unprecedented. I- I'll give you that, but don't tell me it's an uncertain time. It's a very definite time. I'm we, certain about well, things. And in fact, we know exactly what we're facing, don't we? Uh, we just, we're just not sure how long it's going to last, but this is a lot easier to understand than the 2008 uh, uh, credit swap default uh, disaster. I, I still don't understand exactly how that worked. This is a virus, and it kills people. It's fairly, it's not that complex. Uh, so uh, it's it's not that uncertain in my mind. It's just, uh, uh, we're, 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 I mean, the future... Always, when but, you're but in how a how has it changed your it changed? job for me? All right, first of all, uh, I, and I wanted to stress this when we we're talking about cancer screening and, and even going to the doctor. I I have had to take my mother to the doctor. My mother uh, is in an assisted living facility because uh, she has Alzheimer's disease, and I've had to take her to the doctor. And I, I got to tell you, I have never felt safer. Uh, first of all, recognize that for many of the rural hospitals in Kentucky, they may not have admitted a COVID case. If they have, it's a handful. Uh, most of the larger hospitals have separate uh, evaluation and care for people uh, suspected of having the COVID virus. Uh, people are washing their hands. Everyone you meet wears a mask. Uh, they all check temperatures. The waiting rooms are empty. Uh, there is never, in my mind, there has never been a safer time to see your uh, your, your health care provider. 
And they're cleaning every room between every patient, yeah. every you know everything. Yeah, the 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 steps that they're taking, uh, I, we never did before, and so I feel good about that. Uh, I'll let's. Uh, uh, you said be honest. I'm on furlough. One of the reasons I've had so much time in my yard. Uh, St. Clair furloughed uh, employees. Uh, I run a geriatrics clinic. I did uh, house calls for the hospice program. Uh, these were things that I loved, and this was the way I had my retirement set up. But uh, that went away. Uh, and so it, it's had a profound effect on me personally uh, because of that. It's also affected our healthcare system. Let me give you some numbers. Uh, patient volume at uh, most hospitals dropped over 50% since the beginning of March. Emissions down 30%. Emergency department visits down 40%. The economic pain so pervasive. Uh, analysts say this is the driving force behind the nation's 4.8% drop in their GDP. That is, you know, uh, healthcare has had tremendous losses because of that. The American Hospital Association, May 6, reported uh, 2. Uh, I'm sorry, $202.6 billion in losses in the four-month period, March through June, uh, is their estimates. Um, And obviously widespread furloughs laying off workers. 255 hospitals, according to Becker's Hospital Review, have furloughed workers. And I'm going to give you a few here. Uh, Starting uh, uh, in uh, March, end of March, of course, St. Clair furloughed 300 employees. ARH furloughed uh, 500 employees. Uh, then in April, first week of April, Mercy Health, uh, Cincinnati Bond Secours uh, furloughed 700 employees. And, of course, uh, they were in the process of closing Our Lady of Belfont. Huntington, West Virginia, Mountain Health Network furloughed 550 employees. Um, the uh, Jenny Stewart Health in Hopkinsville furloughed 248 staff. Uh, Pikeville uh, furloughed more than 200 employees April 30th. UK, 1,500 employees. Henderson, Kentucky-based Methodist Health furloughed 50. Christ Hospital in Cincinnati furloughed a portion of its staff. St. Joseph in Lexington worked to align staffing levels. Hundreds of employees, according to one source, affected by furloughs. And uh, Cincinnati Medical Center furloughed uh, staff May 8th. Uh, and then this is happening all across the country. So, uh, I the hospitals are having an immense adverse financial impact. The uh, interesting enough, the insurance companies are making out as they always do, like crazy. They get their premiums. I mean, as long as people were employed, they got their premiums. But no one, there were no Has expenditures. The ability to use their yeah. right, right. There was no, there, there were no expenditures except for emergencies, and, and so they bank the money. Uh, and I understand it's self-preservation. They're they're making sure that they have uh, uh, the cash flow they need to survive. But by the same token, these hospitals that rely on that those insurance payments, uh, they are certainly going under. Primary care, they talk about an extinction event for primary care physicians. Uh, clinics will close, you know, I mean, just like restaurants. Uh, it's not that this is uh, unique in this uh, time economically, but uh, there will be closures uh, and they're going to especially hit primary care. We paid primary care doctors on a fee for service. That is, if you saw them in the clinic, uh, they would get paid a certain amount. That was the way they got paid. When you stopped seeing them in the clinic, their pay stopped. Right. And um, even if they saw you on the, uh, talked to you on the phone, if they saw you through telehealth, the reimbursement rates were minuscule. I mean, I, I spent 10 years working in a job trying to get telehealth reimbursed. I mean, so you don't got to kind of go there with me. I'm, I know that. Yeah. It, this has been a, a huge, I mean, telehealth, I, I'm, you know, I think it will finally be forced 
to be a, a, a service that is paid by insurance companies. And what's funny is, is it's the go-to thing now. Yeah. And we won't go back. I'm no, pretty convinced we, we will not go back. Yeah. So uh, how are we doing? Well, actually, for most of rural America, outside of a few hot spots uh, where there might be a, a meat processing plant, a, uh, a, 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 a penal a facility. Toyota plant. Yeah, something like that. Other than that, uh, uh, there are a few hot spots. But for the most part, uh, the, the story for healthcare has been one of uh, empty hospitals, empty clinics, idle staff. Uh, and uh, financial hardships. Right. That's what it has done for us. So uh, uh, the good news uh, for those of you out there who are um, uh, contemplating uh, uh, needing to visit a healthcare facility, uh, I, I think you will find the weights are fairly short. I, I guarantee you the weight will be less than your hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think you're absolutely right, and that's uh, I guess that's where we rank. I don't know in terms of essential, but um, uh, it, it's uh, uh, so it's had a it's had a major effect, obviously, on, on me. But not, I've I've certainly not feared for my health or my life. Um, and there are different ways of being heroes, but I mean, in this sense, uh, if you if you look at uh, a lot of these rural healthcare facilities, the heroes they're they're taking a financial beating just like everybody else. Um, is and uh, in our you know in our neck of the woods, it's those people at Dollar General, uh, those people at Walmart at the grocery stores who are at the greatest risk. Right. And right now, our our healthcare providers uh, uh, of all sorts uh, are 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 they're, they're they're the biggest threat to their health right now is probably not the virus, and I I I don't say that lightly. Special thanks to our Morehead State Public Radio producer Paul Hitchcock and Greg Jenkins. And to Eric Bilbury, who wrote our Health Matters theme song, and to you, our loyal radio fans, remember to show your support for Health Matters by visiting our digital empire. To listen to the show, go to wmky.org, or visit us on Facebook, just do a search for HM Radio Show. For our radio crew and the supportive folks at the Northeast AHEC, thanks for listening to our show, and remember these top ten tips to be healthy at Health Matters. Stay healthy at Health Matters. Only turn your radio off for essential tasks such as groceries. Avoid crowds and gatherings. If you see a large group of people listening to Health Matters, run away. Practice social distancing. Remain six feet away from your radio while listening to our show. Know when to seek care. Follow your doctor's recommendations if Health Matters makes you nauseated. Visit HM Radio Show on Facebook. Stay up to date with Health Matters recommendations. Wash radios and surfaces. Wash your radio thoroughly after our show. Apply for benefits. There may be someone who will pay you to listen to the radio. You never know. Prioritize mental health. Maybe you should just not listen to Health Matters at all. Do not travel. The safest place for you and others is in front of your radio. Try not to leave the room while the radio is on. Report noncompliance. If your neighbors are not listening to Health Matters, call the radio station immediately. Whatever you do, do not take this stuff lying down. Get out this week, make a healthy change in your life, and tune in next week for more exciting news from the world of medical research on Moorhead State Public Radio. Support for Health Matters on MSPR comes from the Northeast Kentucky Area Health Education Center, located at St. Clair Healthcare in Moorhead. Additional information on the Northeast AHEC is available online at neahec.org.